0: In grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, We are almost there, almost to the end of Paul's second Corinthian epistle. We're down to the last two or three verses. We've come to an expression of Paul's desire for the Corinthian church in verses 11. So far we've looked at verse 11, and we will be looking at verses 12 and 13 and 14. I don't know if we'll get quite that far today, but when we get to verse 14, we'll be at the end. But we're not there yet. We are at verse 11. And we are looking at several short statements of Paul's desire for the members of the Corinthian church. In verse 11, he says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Good spiritual health is what Paul has in mind. Finally, brethren, rejoice. And then he goes on to tell them what are the elements that will enable them to rejoice. What does he say? Become complete. He said that earlier. That means be restored. Of course you have broken, <laughs> broken places in your life. We all do. That's what sin does. That's what the world in which we live, which is a sinful world, does to us. Of course you have that, but they can be mended. So, become complete. Be of good comfort. Is there a comforter? Is there a Holy Spirit who indwells you? Is there the Word of God applied by the Holy Spirit to your life? Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. That's very important. The unity of the body of Christ. And that, of course, implies that you are involved with others. You are involved in the body of Christ. You are interacting with others, and therefore be of one mind, live in peace, and if you do those things, the God of love and peace will be with you. That sounds pretty good. That sounds like something that will enable us to rejoice, don't you think? And so, Paul is desiring, indicating his desire for them to be in good spiritual health as he in almost staccato fashion, says, bang, 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 be in good health, and you will be if you become complete, if you will be of good comfort, which God provides that for you, if you will be of one mind instead of causing dissensions and other problems, if you will live in peace, which is similar to being of one mind, if you do all of those things. The God of peace will be with you. And that's the second thing that he desires for them. But I pause to welcome you to this Thursday, January 11, Beacon Broadcast, thanking those of you who are mindful of our need of of financial support and are willing to help us with that for the honor and glory of God and for the dissemination of God's Word. How grateful we are to you. All right, so Paul's desire for them is, number one, for their good spiritual health. It is, number two, for God's special presence. If you obey those first five injunctions, one, two, three, four, five, what are they? Number one, rejoice. Number two, become complete. Number three, be of good comfort. Number four, be of one mind. Number five, live in peace and... If you do that, the God of love and peace will be with you. And Paul desires that for them, God's special presence. The God of love and peace will be with you. Well, you say, if you're a Christian, isn't God always with you? Yes. In fact, we could say, in a manner of speaking, that even if you are not a Christian, God is with you in the sense that you can never get away from Him. You can't flee from His presence. You can't get outside His domain and His control. So even an unbeliever can say in one sense that God is always with him, but a believer in a higher sense can say that God is always with me because believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You cannot you cannot dismiss him, but, as we know, you can grieve him, you can quench him, you can diminish his influence in your life by disobedience, by sin that is not addressed. It's not that those who have the God of love and peace with them in a special way are are free from all sin, because nobody yet is entirely sanctified, but they are believers who acknowledge their sin, deal with their sin, confess their sin, forsake their sin, ask God to help them forsake their sin, and if and when they sin again, they do it all over again, rather than ignoring it, neglecting it, just going on from day to day to day, with sins, as it were, piling up and up and up and up, and thereby restricting unhindered fellowship with God. And so in that sense, even though God can never be removed from you, the love and peace of God that brings such joy and comfort to you can be impeded. And Paul's desire is for God's special presence to be with you in a vital way, a significant way, a way that is manifested not only to you, that you know of God's peace and presence with you, but others know that as well. So Paul's desire for them is that the God of love and peace will be with you in such a way That, going back to the first list of five things that Paul desired for them, so that you will be able to rejoice, so that you will become complete, be all that you can be and should be in good spiritual health as a Christian and serving, equipped to serve the Lord as a child of God, so that you will be of good comfort, so that you will be of one mind, The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace will be part of your life. So that you will live in peace, and when the God of love and peace is with you in that unhindered way, because you are in fellowship with him, you are seeking fellowship with him, you are determined by God's help and grace, you will have unhindered fellowship with him, and you will deal with anything that would impair that relationship. When you are faithful in those ways, then the God of love and peace will be with you in a powerful way. That's what Paul desired for them, the Corinthians. That's what I desire for me. That's what I desire for you. I'm sure that's probably what you desire for yourself. So let's do what God tells us to do so that we might have this wonderful blessing. Paul desires God's special presence to be with them. What else? Paul desires for their unhindered Christian fellowship. Verse 12. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. What is this? Well, it's expressions of of greeting, expressions of love, expressions of fellowship, even across the miles. Greet one another, says Paul, with a holy kiss. Now, actually, you'll find that exhortation a number of times. Let's see if I can count them. One, two, three, four, five times in the New Testament. Romans 16, 16. 1 Corinthians 16.20, 1 Thessalonians 5.26, 1 Peter 5.14, and here in 2 Corinthians 13.12. Question, are we disobeying the Word of God if we are not practicing this exhortation, this instruction, this command to greet one another with a holy kiss. Are you doing that? Well, I actually don't think that's what we should take away from this command, but it is a command. Yes, and I know a few people who take that seriously and literally in the sense that they practice that in their churches. Everybody greets everybody else with a kiss on the cheek, But that's not very common. Does that mean that there are only a handful of Christians, 1% or less, that are actually being obedient to all of the commands in the Bible? Well, let's think this thing through. A kiss of greeting was a common Eastern greeting, that is, in the Eastern part of the world, the Middle East and, and farther East, and it still is today. If you see two people that are... Arabs uh, coming into one another's presence, they're probably going to greet one another with a kiss. Uh, Sometimes French people will do that, too. That seems to be fairly customary in the French culture. And I take it, therefore, that this is not a command of exact duplication. It is simply saying whatever is the customary warm greeting that is utilized in your particular culture, do it. In the part of the world where Paul lived when he wrote this, greeting one another with a kiss was a show of warm affection according to the community customs of that day. It was, if it was a common custom among all people, in that day, then, of course, it would be expected. It's kind of like, in our day, greeting one another with a warm handshake. That's an acceptable custom in our day that everybody understands and everybody accepts. In some places, a greeting with a hug is more common, or at least is, is a closer a personal greeting that is acceptable in some circles, but not everybody is comfortable with that, as you probably well know. You may not be. I grew up in a situation where that was not practiced, and I was very uncomfortable with that for many years. I've now come to the place where I'm perfectly comfortable with it, but I don't insist upon it. But if somebody wants to greet me that way, I'm I'm happy to to respond accordingly, not to not to get stiff, not to be be uh unwelcoming and unfriendly because of that i I accept that now, but i don't i don't uh I don't prefer that. I think the warm handshake is probably the best and and least offensive way of greeting, but the point is that whatever's the customary greeting of your culture and in your day, do it. And it requires your personal presence to do it. And that's the point. And we'll talk more about it, Lord willing, on the broadcast tomorrow. Please join me then. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.